This episode is brought to you by Daniel House Club. Daniel House Club simplifies the process of sourcing and purchasing by giving designers access to over 150 trade vendors in a single place. They've saved designers over $2.5 million in purchase costs in the past year. You'll get paid whether you send a cart to your client or you purchase directly. And they'll help handle the order logistics. Hotties can join Daniel House Club and save 50% off their first year of membership by going to danielhouse.club HYDC today. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. I'm Rebecca Plum, your big sister. And I'm Sean Serha, your GBF. We're not that hot or that young. But we believe it's a state of mind that helps us build adaptable and profitable businesses. We rely on the support of our design besties to get through each day. So let's explore the emotional, practical, and humorous sides of being interior designers. Welcome to the club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? I just had to ask you to stop masticating in your microphone. <laughs> that word is so weird. It's the but sound of chewing. You're welcome, hotties. Yeah, because I want to hear okay. me eating my bag of Cheetos. So we're a little punchy today because we're about to record a Just Stop and we just <laughs> fell in love with our new title. <laughs> so stupid. Just Stop 6, Judgment Day. <laughs> You will be judged. If somebody so. knew, knew anybody who does video and like someone could do that old movie voice guy who's just stop judgment day. Like in a world a- <laughs> yes. where people do stupid shit. In a world where people buy ruggables. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Serious, serious face. Let's. Do a little quick bit of housekeeping. Okay. It's December. It is. It's definitely that. Okay, it really isn't. It's before December right now, but it's actually cold in my house and I have a blanket on and that makes me so happy. Cozy. December. We've had a a very busy year. We just finished our masterclass live Pinterest session. For interior designers. But it's still available in their shops. So take a look because I, for one, we haven't actually recorded it yet. But I am so excited to just get my Pinterest house in order because it's been a bottom of the barrel to do for years. And Pinterest keeps evolving and I have not kept up in any way. Because in the beginning, it wasn't really good for like other people people to find. It was like you could search for visual stuff, but not really get back to things. Sometimes people didn't even link a website to stuff. And so you couldn't find the original image. But now it really is a visual search engine that stuff lives. I think the most shocking part that Leah Reiner, who is our partner on this project, shared with us is how long the average lifespan of a pin is compared to how long an Instagram post lasts, which for an Instagram post can sometimes just be minutes to hours. Like 24 hours max, and then it's dead. But but Pinterest stuff is months, like 7 to 12 months sometimes. So And you can keep kind of fluffing it to make it come back alive and perform, like enhance It's almost the same content can be shared. And at least the way the algorithm in Pinterest is designed right now, it doesn't punish you for posting some of the same things or revisiting another piece that you've shared before. Like they just want there to be new and original content. Like even right now without having optimized anything, my highest performing pins are years old, like five years. And it's really... And those aren't even like my... We're like it's not my original content, but but it's always really surprising to be. look at <laughs> like, when you look at is. your Google Analytics and you see like how much traffic gets driven from printers. You really do start to realize, oh, this is where people are coming from, and I need to do something to not ignore those potential leads. So I think the masterclass yeah, is a great Google, chance. Yeah, because who Google's like interior design inspo? Like you don't do that. You, you go to look, Pinterest. Yeah. So please join that and... All the recordings are there. You can do it at your own pace. Also, just another shout out to join our Patreon. We are having... We just recorded an episode. So we're having a lot of fun over there. I think you really get to know us. 
there. And the behind the scenes of like, how do we actually real, send real. this? What does the document look like? Because oh, the visuals. It's visual and we can screen share and pull stuff up. Like it's so much more like visually better to watch, but also uh, I can't describe a document 20 different ways and make it make sense on the podcast. So Pinterest or <laughs> Pinterest, Patreon is where you go to see some of that. And our hottie hangouts have been amazing. We've had some really fantastic ones already this year. We have. And then we kind of have gotten to know people through it. So when we have in-person events like we did in High Point, like it was, oh, I I know you. Let, like, give I me know. a hug. Yeah, it's really fun. And if you're not into hugging, we don't make you. But <laughs> I mean, I'm a hugger, so I like it. But I feel like I get, I, I think I give off not hugger energy. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awkward. I hate hugging. I hate a goodbye is what it is. But I like a hug hello. Instead of just... But you can hug, hug me goodbye, but... It's awkward to just stand in front of people and be like, Hi, I'm Susie. And you're like, Hey, Susie. And then you're like not able to... Like shaking hands is like too businessy for most designers. Yeah. Who is... Did I just watch this on something or did somebody in real life tell me how they do both? Go in uh, for a handshake and a half hug yeah. or... Uh-huh. Where was that? Was that... Anyway, I don't know. They like kind of like do both. And then whatever the person responds to is what happens. Oh, like they go to move in. And if that person says, do the embrace. Yeah. Okay. (sighs) Okay. Anything else? No, I think that's, we've got a couple places to see everybody, but please, you know, stick around. We're about to get salty. So just stop is. (laughs) If you've missed these. It's one of the fan favorites. Okay. Oh, do you know what our last one was? No. Guess. Like the episode name or something we no, talked about? No, when? Was it like a year ago? And a half. April 2022. How? I know. Really? Yeah. You would think we would have a longer list of just stops that we want to get through right now. Well, though. we've been making our list, which is part of it. We always add stuff. We kind of let them build. Idealist. Yeah. Yeah. We let them build up. Like... For, it's like a therapy thing. So this is fun. An end of year kind of get sassy moment. <laughs> so our just stops are kind of our just sassy complaints about things that annoy us. It's as the kids would say, the icks of the design industry or the home industry or the world of all of what we do. Yeah. And just like kind of a laundry list of things we it's like stuff that would end up on the cutting room floor from a bunch of other episodes. But instead, we group all the cuttings together into a beautiful cob salad for you. <laughs> a super edit. Yeah. Okay. So this one's been on my list for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's official that I... And even though it's part of the title of this episode, I officially have a red flag around the word just. So it's now a trigger word for me. If I get any kind of request that includes the word just Uh from a potential lead or new client or existing client, then I know they're about to be the most annoying because, (laughs) okay, so examples like, can you, or we just need help with a few items in the room. Uh We, can you just do a little bit instead of a full service. Mm-hmm. Anytime they do that, it means they are minimizing the value of our work and trying to squeeze in more for less. <laughs> okay. So that person, it's been like, I've been monitoring this mentally for a year or two and it's hundred percent. I mean, I believe in the concept of what you're saying still being a red flag. I think there's an and, or or I should say, there's probably an or. They could be minimizing our work or they're minimizing what they think they actually need. Like they don't really understand. they're uninformed. Yeah, Yeah, they may not be like... Like, Yeah, I don't mean... I don't mean that they're... Like disrespectful um, to your work, but they're also... Or intentional. Yeah, but they think, oh, well, this... I don't know. What is this? Like 20 minutes worth of work? And you're like, ma'am, it takes me 45 hours to design a room that you're describing. What are you talking about? I just need the room pulled together is actually the most work. Like maybe you don't want to buy big pieces of furniture, but it's Mm -hmm. all the styling and the art and the lighting and 
the reasons why your shit doesn't work together. And I'm going to come in and say, okay, well, it doesn't work because you're trying to fit too much furniture in this room or your great grandma's piece does not work in here. Yes. The wall color is terrible that you just painted. Yes, yes, yeah. Like all these things that are like, I can't create magic or like just a gallery wall. Like, I can't I don't paint have it any art. with mustard. No, or it's a lot of work. Like just a gallery wall. Can you just do a gallery wall? First of all, I've been collecting my art for years and years. And, and I, I still have don't feel like 100 pieces. Yeah. And you have nothing. So you want me to source all this shit, but you don't want to pay money for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't realize that each piece that I'm going to source for you is going to cost at least a couple hundred dollars. And that's like... Correct minimal and we need 10 to 15 so it's just people just don't get it (laughs) so (laughs) it really it just gets me on i don't know it's a trigger word for me so i'm not saying that i shut them across the face when they do it like (laughs) i mean i'm not trying to shut them down but it's like picking your sofa is the easiest part good job you did that yeah yeah you did the one thing but then Don't you feel like a lot of these people, at least for me now, a lot of them, I drive towards like consultations because I'm just like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I have these lower tiers. That's why I have consultation only. That's why I have design only if I feel like the person is aligned in some way and or designer on call and why happy hour has design to goes because then they just like, there's boundaries already set in place and I'm in and I'm out. Yeah. That, and that's where I feel like that is where our value can still jump in is if I want to, I'll offer you a virtual consult. If if it really is, oh, it's... Because then also they've sort of sold themselves on it. Of Well, it's just a little bit of time on a floor plan. And you're like, okay, great. Well, then book, go ahead, book a, 90, a, a 60 minute just, session with me and we'll see about that. Just like, send me $400 and let's talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's just stop giving like the we justs are not a match with any kind of heavy service. No, I really do want clients who are going to be more realistic going into it. I need them to understand this. I know and, this is a lot of work. And it feels work. overwhelming to them. Mm-hmm. Like they they aren't, uh, oh, it's just this, oh God, I can't do this. Do it. That's the feeling I want. Please help me. It's not, I just need one shot of Botox. It's, I need the whole <laughs> thing. I need the facelift and the bluff and the buckle fat. I need all of it. <laughs> yeah. All of it. Yeah. You don't go to a plastic surgeon and you're like, I think I just need a facial. (laughs) Ma'am, you have been in the sun for 70 years without sunscreen. Yeah. And (laughs) time travel booth. (laughs) I just need to time travel. Okay. I'm with that one though. I think that's a good idea to just to remember what that means and how it impacts the overall view of a project when we hear it. Mine is we need to just stop adjusting billable time to make it digestible for clients. Like your time is your time. It's what it took. And if you make adjustments, it should be like for something like having my assistant, it took longer. I'm making a conscious decision of knowing there's a really thoughtful reason why. But I've seen so many designers who are saying oh yeah, that took me way too long. So I just adjusted it down to be something easier. I just gave them part of it back. Okay, but what if, without being specific, what if you (laughs) were moving into new territory or you're a newer designer and there's a lot of learning you need to do, like self-education? And you're not billing for that anyway. Research? Like education? Right. It's not billable. But it might have taken you five hours to find a few pillows for... It could. But you shouldn't be charging five hours for that. I would rather you still put... I don't have that direct correlation. But for me, it's like... it, It is the... If I spent five hours in CAD and I was just having a slow day in CAD and I felt like it got out of range, I'd rather show them how long I actually spent and then apply a little bit of a adjustment, like separate line item. Here's five hours of CAD work. I'm making a client satisfaction credit to adjust for an hour of that or something. And you could come up with some sort of like filler 
time adjustment or something. I would rather the client see the total amount first and know this is what it really took. But I'm also not trying to rip you off. And I do look at where I'm spending my time and I'm being reasonable. And here's an adjustment of that hundred and whatever dollars back to you because we needed a research. We needed research time and I made an adjustment. Yeah. And I guess the other way of looking at that or explaining it to clients is that's where our hourly rate should correlate. So Mm -hmm. if you're new and slower, then things might take you longer, but you charge less per hour. And that could Mm -hmm. be something that you explain up front, which is why sometimes as you're more experienced and a lot more efficient, it gets tough to charge hourly because like it could have been a five minute thing that there, no, but there's attorneys out there. Yeah, attorneys are out there charging $500 an hour. And then you have ones that are $100 an hour. And it's because there's a big difference in their why, experience yeah. and their skill level. And the amount and, of time it takes. And I just like the idea of don't immediately just give... I know. Don't give the time back. If If something worries you, I've also had times where I go, ooh, that's ahead of where I thought it would be in my proposal. And I'll tell the client, Hey, we're a little bit over on project management. Here's where we ate a lot of that time. I either do or don't anticipate that happening. I would rather explain why the overage happened or why we're ahead of an estimate instead of discounting my time to avoid the conversation because you can always have a conversation later with clients. And I've made adjustments on stuff where I'm like, I missed something on the first site visit. I'm documenting my time that I went to the second one to follow up on it, but I, I'm adjusting. I'm putting a credit against that time, just so you know. Here's the date I was there. You can. It's sort of like a timesheet almost. Like they know I was there for that site visit, but I credited it back because I made a mistake or missed something. And I feel like it's better to give that explanation after. But I mean, just sending someone like Show a giant faith, yeah. yeah, and I it, maybe it is a little bit of a mindfuck to mess with people of just I'm showing you what I'm doing and why and that I'm being reasonable. So that way, when they try to come to you, you've sort of headed it off at the pass a little bit. Like they can see, oh, they're not just trying to willy-nilly bill me for stuff. Willy-nilly bill me. (laughs) That's my new drag name. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Willy-nilly bill me. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's one that I would rather just see designers get paid and then make adjustments or or feel like you can have a good faith conversation with clients instead of just dropping the number right away. Okay, I agree. You have a lot in here. <laughs> you want me to do more? You want me to move fast? Well, I wanted to add, I was going to just kind of rip on this. So just stop using trade discounts versus wholesale vendor accounts. And mm-hmm. that's, based on like retail trade account discounts. Yeah. Yeah. And which I totally agree. And I, every time, so I've been to a lot of designer events lately and it's just wild to me how different we all are, which is also like kind of inspiring, right? There's, we're all like on different paths and are ahead in different ways and behind in others Mm -hmm. or just think, have different philosophies. But I don't know. Yeah, the using trade discounts. Okay, I see a lot of designers who prefer only working in retail, partly because they just don't want to get involved in the hassle of wholesale. A lot of misconceptions, though. I see a lot of people are like, I don't know. I don't have the minimum buy-in to start buying wholesale. I'm like, girl, no. Like that's very few. That have oh, and those there's requirements. So many and there's work purchasing groups or Daniel House Club. Yes. There's so many ways to not have to let that be your obstacle. I think a lot of but it is fear based. Definitely, or just misinformation, and a mm-hmm. lot of because a lot of the accounts you can just start right away buying direct. You just don't have the greatest pricing. Yeah, but so I wanted to add to this is I realized so I'm in Sacramento. We have no m- manufacturer vendor showrooms. We have nowhere to go look at wholesale furniture besides like independently designer run like showrooms. Okay. I mean, I have one, but so I didn't realize, I mean, especially in Orange County or bigger cities and bigger regions, you guys do have bigger 
design centers mm-hmm. and a lot of people buy through them. And I don't know exactly what the percentage discounts are when you do that, but they're not direct with the manufacturer, right? Yeah, there's some, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but there's a few in Orange County that are like that, where if you don't want to go to the LA design centers, they have some that are like, dis- it's another design group that has very deep pricing. Yeah, I guess we have one here that... But they pass on portions of it, which is helpful. So maybe you make 20 to 30%. I don't exactly know. So I'm kind of talking out of my ass, but... Yeah, they're like that. that, Yeah, it's you get 20 instead of 30 to 40%. And I know, so so that is better than just going retail. So you're at least like buying designer level furniture and giving your clients something they can't find on their own. Mm -hmm. And there, there is a customer service added benefit, which is totally beneficial. If they're good, but you aren't building a track record with the manufacturer. So you're right. never going to get really great pricing. So I think a lot of us should think about really focusing. And I heard this in the beginning of my design career too, and it took me a long time to get here, but really focusing on a few key accounts and really trying not buy exclusively by any means we don't want things to look like they came out of one store but yeah the more you buy or like getting together with another designer five and building up your account to where you get really good pricing like now i have a few i think there's four or five accounts that i have through happy hour that our pricing is not even listed like it's like big Mass They're like negotiating retailers. specialty rates with you now because they know that you guys are moving volume. Yeah. And it's a major game changer in the amount of revenue we can make. Oh, uh, that, and that's, I think, the part that really starts to get to me when I see these designers who are just like, what does everyone think about ABC retail stores? 10% pro? And it's like, the fuck? Like... You're not, please tell me you're not buying anything. Let the client do it if you must. Let the client yeah, just buy direct. Yeah, there are times where like, like, like recently I needed a really specific type of mirror. I could not find any wholesalers to do it. And so it's like CB2, just you just buy this and whatever. That's fine. And I'm, and but that's I'm not going to handle like, it all. Yeah, the stress of just all of that, of managing it, tracking it, all the orders, everything is just so not worth the time and energy at that point. And a trade company, I'm not saying they care more. I'm not saying that to the trade wholesale vendors care more than Pottery Barn. I'm not, I can't make that claim because they're all different. But I can just say that I feel in general, there is more responsiveness to the design trade when most of their revenue is driven by wholesaler, design trade, reseller, instead of Pottery Barn, where the majority of their business is driven by direct-to-consumer activity. They're never going to care as much about us. Right. And like I recently purchased a piece from a very popular national retailer that because I was looking for something really specific for a really low price because it's for my house. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, this is in stock. So I'm not going to risk like any of these long shipping delays that they still, I'm still hearing this company has. Yes. But no, it still took six weeks for it to come into the store. Like it was supposed to be shipped within days. And if I was the designer and that was a client that I had to explain this to, now it's on you. Like you just absorbed all of that annoyance that your client Mm -hmm. is going to have. And they will be. And for, what did you make? $47 off? (laughs) Like I would have made no money. I would have made $47, I think, actually. And Um, you would have spent more than that on just like the customer service of it all. And losing client goodwill. And so one of the value adds of working with a wholesale directly, wholesaler directly is we're working with reps who are for the most part professional mm-hmm. people that this is what they do for a job and they are our liaison and good ones will fight for us. Yes. And they're and they know you're not just like a Karen calling to complain about something, which a lot of store managers deal with. And mm-hmm. 
it's a, just a different level of oh, and there's service and clientele. There's a lot of the customer service being dead in the world at a lot of places. I don't know. I don't know everything that's driving it, but I also just feel like there's general just corporate apathy to a lot of stuff right now where they're just well, like, and these we people are don't getting paid care. a lot. Like, the high turnover. Yeah, they don't care really. Like the customer service reps are in some cattle. <laughs> Fly over so state? Where do you what word are you looking for? No, no. They're cattle. in like some big room full of like, like a cubicle uh, pen. Yes. Okay. Let's, it's like, like Harris Ranch for Harris. people on vocals. <laughs> I was like, where are we going? What journey are you taking me on? Cattle but, yes. call, but it wasn't working. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm with you. So, well, this is going to relate to a few other things here, but just, just, just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Get to the wholesale vendors. Oh, also, yeah, yeah, like this is the one where I feel like we haven't talked about this enough, but you don't have, it's great to go to market. I would love for everyone to go to market. There's still also no reason why you can't explore wholesale to the trade vendors by visiting the Las Vegas market page and downloading the market preview guides or looking through the exhibitor list. You could do the same at the high part, high point market list and just go through and look at different vendors. You're scrolling the internet on TikTok or doing whatever anyway. Why don't you just take a little bit of that time to just scroll through some vendors and see if you like any of their stuff? Look at their featured photos. Then maybe you go to their website and look through a little bit. Like you can yeah. do that without having to go to market and at least start checking out a couple places. Yes. I mean, try to go to market <laughs> at least I, one I, market every couple of years. Like just try to make it work. Yes. Agreed. But yeah, a lot of them have virtual showrooms too. Like, like we're mm-hmm. both Norwalk dealers and they recently, they just updated post to High Point their virtual showroom tour. So you can actually walk, quote unquote, walk their showroom. It's in that 3D, weird 3D software that it's pho- photographic. And then there's little hot spots where you can get information on certain pieces. It's like a, so, it's like a real estate walkthrough, but in a showroom. Yeah. yeah, but I've done it. And when I couldn't be at, a high point or something to just see what does that actually look like mm-hmm. with that fabric on it and you can learn a lot I agree and I'm, be more prepared for when you are able to go and then you can start making more money make it hey Sean I don't know about you but Pinterest has been on my to-do list of I got to figure out how to use it again for literally years <laughs> it's definitely one of those things that if you've just been using it as a brain dump location, you're not using it right. Yeah, Pinterest is not just for inspo anymore, although that's still there. It can be super strategic and actually get you new clients. Yes. So we're sort of reframing the thought process around Pinterest with our very first Hottie Homeroom course, Pinterest for Interior Designers Masterclass. It's two-parter, so you get both sessions for the same price. And if you can catch the live session, we recommend it. Otherwise, it's going to be recorded and available to watch on your own. But you also get two workbooks that really are going to show you the step-by-step of everything we talk about. Yes. And we've partnered with our Pinterest expert, Leah Reiner, and she's really power-packed the courses so that way you can optimize everything that you're doing to make Pinterest work for you to drive new traffic and help generate more leads for your business. You're not just listening to us talk about blah, blah, blah. Here's why Pinterest is great. Yes, we have an actual expert who does this day (laughs) in and day out. And she's going to be showing us all the details and how-tos. Yep, you got it. How to find trends, how to put them in captions to get people to read them. And probably the best part for me was realizing that Pinterest pins stay active for months, sometimes years longer than what the Instagram algorithm does. And you don't have to show up and show your face like you do on Instagram. <laughs> I know some of you don't want to do that. So it's a way to get yourself out there without getting yourself out there. Exactly. So head to shop.hottingdesignersclub.com and learn more about our Pinterest for Interior Designers Masterclass. See you there, hotties. Okay. This one was, just, I'm just going to keep it quick. I don't want to go all in on, on the legal side, but this one's just can we just stop putting per, your personal name in a contract instead of your business entity name? And this is just mostly to do with liability. Is I keep hearing from several different 
groups and seeing people post about stuff where they're like agreements were made as an individual and they actually have a business name. And I just like, I can, God forbid somebody sues you. And then that's you personally because the contract said it was between you personally. Even if you did all the work as your business, it becomes something that you as a person are now responsible for. So just like button up all your documents and communication with clients and get your personal name off of the like agreement parties and make sure that it's clear that you're doing business as your business, whether it is if you're DBA Studio Plum, make sure it's Studio Plum's on the agreements and in signatures and on documents. It shouldn't be like letterhead that says Rebecca Plum. It should be it should all just be very clear from a legal perspective that your business is the one doing this, not you as a person. And hopefully you've set up the right entity or formation so that way you're protected from that because some of our projects could really dunk you personally, financially, if you're not careful. Yeah. So that's, that's smart advice. That's all I want to say about that. Yeah. Okay, so here's one. So. I'm in the middle of one room challenge on my family room. Okay. And I'm just going to say, stop, just stop not working on your own house. Okay. I think as designers, I think as designers, we put ourselves, well, I think as people and service providers in general, we put ourselves last a lot of the time. And I, I mean, I know it's money driven, but it doesn't have to be living in a house that you're not proud of or living in rooms that you are annoyed by every day and you're not finding the time to make them the way you want them. And I think it's like kind of extra salt in the wounds for us because we're looking at all these beautiful fabrics and recommending things to our clients that we don't have a taste of ourselves. So there's a few reasons I think. I think we should be living in beautiful environments and celebrating our own homes and bringing that to our families and ourselves. But I also think, A, it's content. Like people love seeing how designers actually live. So mm-hmm. you can be working on whether you do one room challenge or not, you can still be showing little bits of your house that you're working on. But also what I'm really leaning into with my family room is it's an extension of your business as a showroom and a chance for you to test out things that you're selling in an active environment. So I'm pretty insulated like, from your business too. Like there's no yeah, risk to like, your we, clients if you're trying something at your house. Right. Like we go to markets and sit on stuff, but we don't know how it's actually gonna hold up necessarily or things that we would do differently to a client. So I finally made a plan, designed my family room after years and years and just said, this is the, I finally decided the sofa I wanted to order and build from Norwalk. Just started putting money aside to do it as well as getting drapery. I'm testing out Graber's new drapes in like my huge ass window So Mm -hmm. before I put that in a client, I'm testing it on myself. And some forehands pieces too that I haven't lived with before. So I don't know. I just feel really good that my home is... I mean, I've been working on my house and we've worked room by room. But just this is a room that we really live in and it's just been sad. And I want to acknowledge with this is that Take it in the steps that you can accomplish as yeah, a designer. Yeah, if it's just painting, like it was just paint at one point, like years, a couple years ago, all I could yeah. do is paint. And that's all I could do. And then it was like bringing in some vintage from Facebook. That's all I could do. Yeah. And it was baby steps to it. I could have been a little more intentional. But I think that's probably what you're saying too, is like when you lose sight of why am I not, why am I not getting to live the way I could improve my lifestyle because I'm giving it to all my clients. And then we're just like, What's the thing? Somebody has no clothes. The cobbler's like, children have yeah, no shoes. shoes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Way off Samsonite. <laughs> the Taylor's children could have no clothes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's being intentional about your own home and like making a plan for it because I think a lot of us are guilty of just doing the thing that a lot Mm -hmm. of clients do when they come to us, which is buying this here, buying that there. And then now you live in a junk store. (laughs) Speaking of personal experience. Yeah. Um, And not just putting it in AutoCAD or Cheap Architect, really deciding what scale things should be, getting the appropriate layout. It's something you have to be intentional about. So, And really set aside time to give yourself nice things. Prioritize too. it, yeah. yeah. So that's my PSA. That's your note, yeah. No, I think we should have beautiful spaces. And to your point, again, People love watching it. They love seeing how other people live. They like knowing what you would do. They like seeing... I've been really catching on now to when other people share... When they share the, I bought this and I actually don't like it. I love those Mm. conversations. I love when someone who has bought something comes back and tells me, Shavonda Gardner does a good job of, hey, I actually bought this and I don't like it. And here's why. She just tries to be objective and say... Actually, I don't think I'd buy this again. And this is why. And she's not just trying to trash talk something. She just wants to be fair that she'll share it with people when she's first getting it. And then she might revisit it later and say, for me, this didn't work out. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Or be transparent about where you are in the journey. Like, for instance, I have recently bought some furniture that they're not forever pieces, but I know that. And Mm. they're good and an upgrade from what I had, but my goal is to get something more customized and a lifelong object. And now you could have that conversation with a client about some of those things and tell them, hey, something like this isn't a forever piece of furniture, but if you're looking for something that'll get you through the next three to five years and the price is right, great. If not, you want something different, let's find something else. Yes. Yeah. This one, I just, we've had some brief conversations about this, but I think that it just needs a little bit of knowledge base for designers. But if you don't, if you don't know anything about it, it's time to just stop avoiding the topic of private equity in all industries. But let's specifically just briefly talk about the design industry. Okay. This is business of home. Business of Home has done some great go. conversations. If you listen to the Thursday show, they've done some yes. great topics about it. And there are they've written articles about it. But And Fred and Dennis are way informed and know how this all kind of works. Yeah. The but like a sense Sure. And there's some big there's some big names in every industry of if you want private equity, but for tech, they have those groups. If you want private equity for buying a home for home buyers or developers, they have that. They have it for fashion. But Essentially, it's a bunch of rich people get together, put their money into these funds, and then decide how they're going to invest money. And sometimes they're buying whole companies. Sometimes they're buying major shares of companies. If you've been following the headlines, probably the biggest one most recently was Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams, which was owned by private equity. And they had a lot of loans and all of that stuff. And they were a well-performing company, had a lot of orders by most assessments seem to be doing well with like sales and volume, but we're straddled with a lot of debt and loans. And that means it's not very profitable for the investors from this private equity group. And so they just kind of decided, in short, we're going to close up shop because it's too expensive. Like we can't keep running it this way. Yeah. And Business of Home explained it pretty well that Mm -hmm. basically... Well, I think the interview with Bob Williams... It was a or was it Mitchell Gold? It was one of them. <laughs> it was one of them. It's two. on. They did an interview before they officially made final decisions, but yes. um, talked about just kind of how that happens and how you just end up not being the final decision maker. Does your employee do your does your payroll get paid or does this money go somewhere else? Right, so, kind of stuff. So, I do think it's important to start understanding and. We've talked about this, but knowing, especially the companies that like your custom upholstery manufacturer, for instance, it does really help to know what's going on behind the scenes because Mm -hmm. we do have a large outlay of cash to them and Mm -hmm. we're just waiting months 
to get the piece. Right. But if that place shutters in the meantime, like the designers left with the responsibility to their client and no product to show for it. So again, this is the reason why having great margins is the way to go because then you at least are covered. If you've doubled your price, then at least you're not out actual money. But right. like knowing, for instance, that Norwalk is an employee-owned company now and that as far as we know, like they're not bank-owned or they were <laughs> private equity for a while and they sold it back to but the, the But the odds employees. of a company, the odds of private equity pulling the plug are greater than a company that's owned by its employees deciding to just pull up shop. Like the investment that those employees have in their retirement plans, in their right, careers, no, they, like they're going to In the company harder. itself, they're personally yeah. involved versus someone that's just on the other side of the country, like making financial decisions from a yeah. spreadsheet. And in the same way that we make just like we... And just as solopreneurs make decisions and we think about things because it affects us personally and our ego and our well-being if something were to happen to our business. So every time we make a decision, we're thinking about that. And that just changes when you get to a certain size and a scale. But I even have friends who... A friend of mine who's close, whose parents had owned this business for three generations. And it was so hard for them to reach a decision where it just economically wasn't feasible for them to stay operating in California anymore. It's a like a metal foundry, which environmentally is kind of hard to work with, like smelting metals and stuff in Southern California with a lot of the environmental impacts. So they were gonna, they were basically faced with two boomer age parents were like, oh great. So we're gonna just move our business to another state and set it up somewhere else, or we're gonna have to shutter because we can't afford to make these environmental changes to the equipment and the whole business in order to do this. And that was agonizing for them. They were crying. Yeah. They were just like, they're letting go. These are people who've worked with them. They care. One, yeah. They've worked with them for generations. They really do care about everybody who's there. They really run it with the workers' well-being in mind. And they make every decision and talk to everyone about it. And so you lose some of that naturally just by getting big and especially with private equity where like Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams were no longer the owners of the company, but their names were on it. And it, you don't have as much control. But I think we as designers have to be asking the questions, finding out who owns certain companies, really understanding how much risk we put ourselves at, you know, when we're talking about making furniture. And, you know, we can we ever be truly safe? Probably not. No. It was what I mean, uh, just saying like I mean, it's the question. The only way is with your margins. Yeah. Protect it by having profit margin that you can backfill something or make up for it. But that's every business, right? Like we're never perfectly safe at any given time. But we've got to have the conversation and start looking at who owns the companies. And I don't because know that like, there's like a right answer to that because there's some great private equity owned companies who are doing amazing things. But there's some others that shuttered and left a lot of people and customers in the lurch. Yeah. And I think like relying on reputation is what I've learned is not enough. Right. Like just because they've been in standing business for 25 years uh -huh. does not mean anything if you don't know what's going on a little right. bit as much as you can behind the scenes. So right. it's also a selling point for companies that do have their own financial backing that they can control. So mm -hmm. it's like they're in control of the lending situation. Okay. That's a big one. Sorry. Yeah, it's not that <laughs> sassy. <laughs> What's this one? This one's just, I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm just calling that we need to just stop being a fair weather sales rep because I don't know about y'all, but I am getting calls and emails from everybody oh. now that sales have oh now that sales are slow we're gonna start cold calling and cold emailing every designer they can find in the damn phone book well but to their defense like if they were really like when they were really busy i mean they were just trying to keep their head above water right now they're if they're less busy like they're yeah. just yeah rolodex going through the rolodex but where we're not on the where, road that, but that's my point is they didn't care about 
they didn't care about me when they had lots of money. And then now all of a sudden, people who I've never heard from before are like, we'd love to make an appointment with you. We'd love to hear... We'd love to bring some stuff in. And it's, I'm six years old. Next year will be my seventh year in. You've never, heard never, you. never once tried to find me or talk to me ever. But now that sales are slow, someone's saying, pick up the phone, pick up the phone, call people, email people, go out and visit them. Yeah, and some they're of probably my tried getting and pushed reps, from the companies. Oh, guaranteed. And if sales are down, that's what the sales of it all in the world says to do. When sales are slow, Get in front of people. Fifty calls a day. Yeah. Yeah. Start making calls. Start emailing. Start talking to people. And I have no personal read on any of the any of them who are. I just, it's fascinating how people come out of the woodwork when they really want something from you. And I guess what I would add to that on our side is, for us, we can make truly like authentic connections and conversations back to our past clients, back to our book of business. And it doesn't have to be like a, Hey, are you working on any new remodeling projects I can help you with? It doesn't have to be like that. I think you can do more subtle, high-end touch points with people and an authentic call of just saying, I was thinking about you. I was in your neighborhood the other day. I, you know, it could just be that. And then wait for it to trigger something. But it doesn't have to be, we'd love to work with you. Are you working on any projects? Keep it, you can keep it friendly, not salesy. Yes, and short and sweet. I know. There's my inbox is definitely flooding. Flooded. Flooded. Okay. You got more? I see more. I have so many more. I see more. more. How do you, I'm going to start this with a how do you feel? Hmm. How do you feel about, like when your photographer is there at a job site, do you get lunch for them or have snacks or like anything? Uh, yeah. If I'm going to eat, then I do. I'm not always great about that though. <laughs> I'm not always great about eating myself. But if you it's like not. a full day shoot, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh-huh. If it's not, if it's a full day shoot or multiple, then for sure, like that needs to be factored in. I just feel like, it seems so rude if you're there and you're with your team and you're having lunch and you don't take care of the people who are there around yeah. you. Or even just ask, hey, do you have something? Do you want something? Whatever. I'm not going to say where it came from or where I heard about it. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I think it's rude. And I think that we as designers, I know we invest a lot in photography, in what we do, styling and whatever, whatever. But really, we're talking about what? 12 bucks or less to have some snacks or a sandwich or something there for your photographer. If you're going to eat, shouldn't they eat? Of course, as a human and I'm friendly with my photographers, I would do that. Yeah. But I will like a hot take version is when I was on the like advertising creative agency side, mm-hmm. my photographer would buy me lunch because I was the client, which is still kind of the same deal. So wait, say that again. You were the client. Which we still are the client to our photographer. Yeah. So, and he, but like the specific photographer I'm thinking of, he's been in the business for 40 years and like more like came from like old school agency background. Which is that? Whoever's client, the client Client. does not pay. Yeah. If you go to lunch with both business, like a business work thing, it's usually like the most senior, if you're all at the same company, most senior person handles it or the person who's the client gets it on, you know, paid for. I think the dynamic is blurred and I just feel like the lack of hospitality is, but I also think the way some of these photographers are charging. I'm not going to go into that because I feel like there's so much that my photographers give me that they never charge me for. And I'm necessarily having a strong opinion about that. But if we're going to how it was in the olden days, it is who's the client and what service am I providing them? And... I think it's different in our scenarios because we become the leader of the shoot. 
like we're the creative yeah. director of the shoot. Yeah. For the most part, I think in my experience, photographers are usually interior photographers are taking the lead from the designer and the art direction, but mm-hmm. on a bigger project. But would um, you sit there and just like, eat a lunch that you bought no, for I'm you and your team like, and then not? An asshole. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. But I do think like there are photographers listening. Like it's kind of, that's how it used to be. I, and I hear that. And I do. Yeah. My, it may factor that. It was like that. Like factor that into your price. And, or, and, or let's think about as we're making these decisions, let's consider one of my photographers doesn't even really charge for commuting anywhere. And they really could, which is that's totally their business to decide not to do that. But it's also, let's look at what our value proposition and exchanges on something like that and realize too, like what's $12. And I just, I want to be and stay on friendly terms with my, with anybody that I work with. Like I've bought pizzas and to the job site for contractors. The contractors don't work for me. I'm not. Yes, I know. I think it comes down to who is hosting the shoot. And in this, in our industry, we're the host. They, the photographer didn't book the location, you know? So it's like different from like agency life where we're at a photographer's studio and they have, breakfast pastries out when you arrive and coffee I'm, they're the I host just, it's at their studio hold on this is something that challenges that formula you were saying where we're technically their client is when you are the couple getting married at a wedding and you hire the photographer you're kind of expected to feed the photographer i know i was and you're the client you know like they sh- what are they supposed to do? Give you something special for the wedding day? Because just because. But a lot you know, of those like, photographers have that in their contract that you I mean, pay. For, you buy me sh- Should put you're paying for my lunch if I'm at an all job all day visit. They should. No, I mean they should because and, it's in- and built in stopping because I know breaks. most of them don't stop. They don't take breaks. They don't stop. They are just no, like I. That might I was be just the- with. That consideration. That needs to be outlined. I was just with my sister-in-law this weekend who is a wedding photographer and she was shooting a wedding that I was also invited to. And, but she also shoots a lot of my projects. Mm -hmm. And she was saying like a lot of times, like she does, I think, I don't know what she has in her contract, but she does have a meal built in. And so they do need to have a plate for her. And I know DJs have the same thing and videographers or whatever, but she's, they don't always have a seat for me. <laughs> so, so she's standing like, with a plate in a corner. Kind, yeah. Like it's pretty common that it's usually Gross. just forgotten, but also with, if there's like a lot of place settings, I don't know. It's kind of a weird I just area. think what, I think my big just stop on it is we, like stop being inconsiderate necessarily to the people around us who are doing hard work. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, appeals more to let's just be human beings next to each other of Agreed. offering. Like I offer water to the male guy who comes to my So you're office. saying there like, was a scenario where perhaps a <laughs> designer was working, oh no, a photographer was working on a job mm-hmm. and the designer ordered lunch for mm-hmm. their team mm-hmm. and excluded the photographer. Correct. And, that photographer, I might be saying something like he that. He or she happened. was sitting in the corner or scrabbling in their car for a bag of nuts. Yeah, with no food. Yep. That's Shiesty. rude. It's just rude. So so maybe my just stop is just stop being rude. <laughs> like, I mean, it's inconsiderate, et but if that... And I, I know we're all yeah. on our hustle game. I can, I do I can understand though, we have a hustle and we got to make money and photography is expensive. I get for that. For sure. But, and if I was a photographer and a, going to an all-day shoot, I think you should put that in your contract somewhere, how you want that handled. I would. I think it would be great if there was like a, hey, this is an all-day shoot, which means I need a minimum Do you minimum want me of, to order lunch for you guys and I'll add that to my bill? Or, yeah, are we going to stop Will it be for, provided? Yeah, if lunch is going to be provided, then I only need 30 minutes. If lunch won't be provided, I need an hour. Or whatever you're going to say, huh. I think it'd be good to set a boundary of... And I don't... Honestly, I feel like all my photographers, some of them are so busy when I offer them things... They're like, oh, I'll have a little bit. You know, they want like a snack or a a LaCroix or a soda. They're never, most of them are on the hustle anyway. 
But when we have had almost the full day, I'm going to eat, you know me, I'm not going to miss, I'm going to try not no, to miss a like meal. like Whitney, my sister-in-law, I mean, she said, she's, if I know, because she's shooting a 12-hour day a, a lot of the time. So she's, I know there's specific points that the bride usually has food provided and she's, I, I fucking eat. So she if should. there's like the getting ready moment and there's a bagel spread or whatever, she's, I know I have to eat at those points mm-hmm. or I'm going to be screwed later. So yeah, because it's just going to turn out bad for you. But I do think it's like kind of bringing, if I was the photographer, if I was to make any advice would be for the photographer to add clarity to that part of their business. And And don't be an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) If someone forgot to do that, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Just, you know, take care of our people, take care of our community. That's all, you know. At least offer like a half of a Sammy. Oh my God, I didn't even think about this. Like maybe you, d- maybe as you a didn't. designer who is forgetful, I would be like, I had this all pre-done. I didn't even think about it. Please like share this half of my sandwich. Or let's pitch in like I'm on Uber Eats. I don't know. I would feel like even just... But maybe it had gotten pre-ordered and it was maybe. like the assistant did it. Like yeah, things maybe. like that could happen. Maybe. But be gracious in some way. Somehow, let's try. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. So that's all. That's all I got. That's my just stops. Okay. Just stop part six. Okay. Well, we weren't that judgy. <laughs> I'm still gonna call this the Judgment Day episode. We were a little bit judgy, and I just want to add a just stop. I think this was in our very first one because, but I've been seeing it coming up again lately. Ooh. I just have to say it. Just stop using your Gmail or Yahoo, guys. If this is your like <laughs> tenth reminder, you gotta figure it out. You've got to get your domain on your email. Is there like a we need to link something for that? Like how to I had an email come through from it wasn't a designer, but they used Yahoo and this, but they were a business professional in our industry and they didn't even put their name in the description. So the email when it comes in my inbox, you know, it'll say Sean Zerha, not Sean at Renstead Interior, right? Yeah. So, like, the name was Yahoo. <laughs> so, it's oh, so it was like Sean at Yahoo.com? No, no, no. It just says Yahoo is their name because oh. they didn't put anything in that description. They didn't configure it. So, it doesn't even say like Joe Smith. It just says Yahoo. Okay. So, I'm just going to say do as. We're, I'm going to put this out here. For the longest time, we were using Hot Young Designers Club at gmail.com and we just recently. No, but we had, an al- we had an alias. We did. We did. But I'm just going to say, we were, I, I would be so embarrassed to like clients if like I have my own website domain and I own it, if that's enough, like to make it clearer for designers is. If you own your website name already, you've registered your design company name.com, you can set up your email to run Even through that Gmail. domain. So you Even can then Gmail. Exactly. Now, I'm not going to pretend I know how to do it. If we do find an article, we'll put it in the show notes. But we'll find, we can. you can describe this to like your web guy or a freelance team of people. Even on Upwork, there's people who do this. And you're like, I just need to create. This email, I need my email and I need a hello at inquiry email that can run through the same inbox using my domain name. People can help you. It's not hard. It will not cost you a lot of money. It will up your professionalism so fast. But yes, please get rid of that at Yahoo, at Gmail, at Hotmail. If you're you're a for-profit business that your people are paying you, you need to do that. And And just to... I'm taking like ombridge about our humbridge what is it umbridge umbridge ombre ombre about <laughs> about our gmail use we did that when we were doing this as a volunteer opportunity oh, we didn't even we, we didn't even have anything, anything figured out we together. were like we're gonna start a little podcast back on april 1st and we didn't we were just like should we get a website oh, okay let's get a website oh should we get we had to get a free google account yeah yeah we did at first so <laughs> You can go through these growth steps and guess what? You can migrate 
and be able to use those new names. But yeah, it will definitely level up your professionalism. You can even just use an alias if you still want to log into your old Yahoo account. But at least oh, yeah. no one knows. Yeah, it can still say Sean at Renstead Interiors. Forward to... And it forwards to Sean at Gmail or something. Scrub Daddy at Scrub Daddy at Gmail. <laughs> That's a callback to a Patreon episode, everybody. That's our care and maintenance episode November yeah November's Patreon Um, episode okay well that's it stay hot designers or no wait until next time oh trying to stuff on my toes (laughs) stay hot designers thanks for listening to the hot young designers club podcast for more on what we talked about today check out the show notes Your support helps us grow, so share with your design besties. And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Our conversations continue on Instagram. And be sure to download our monthly resources on our website and our Patreon. 